0: This is Shoulder Charge, a Rugby League podcast. I'm Casey Smith, and this is episode 18. My guest this week is London Broncos winger and Lebanon international Abbas Miski. He'll be joining Wigan Warriors in 2022, and I caught up with him to discuss a whole host of issues. Of course, the Rugby League World Cup, what are his thoughts, how he started in Rugby League, what it was like coming over to the UK and also what it was like in that World Cup knockout game where they lost to Tonga by two points. Also, later on in the show, I'm sure you've seen the news that there might be yet another restructuring of the divisions in Rugby League. Yeah, there's growing reports and rumors that there won't be any relegation this year and that next year, the league will be expanding to 14 teams. And then after that, four will be relegated. Yep, four. And then there'll be a division of 10 in Super League 1 and there'll be another division of 10 in Super League 2. Now, I'll be discussing my thoughts on that, what it all means, will it work, what are the downfalls of it, you know, all the ins and outs. Because for me, at the moment, it sounds a bit... I don't see how it works. So, we'll get onto that a bit later on. Also, there's all the games to review and discuss. But first, we'll start off with the interview. Here it is. Your thoughts on Australia and New Zealand uh, pulling out?
1: Um, yeah, it was a bit of a shock, isn't it? Um, uh, from what I've read so far, it's about player welfare and whatnot, so I, I don't really know. I haven't read too much into it. But um, I guess i see where they're coming from in some aspects. The players are obviously in a bubble right now. They're away from their families in Queensland. So, so I know Sydney's going through a tough phase right now. They're in you know, stage four lockdown. So it is a hard thing to let those clubs go, let those players go. They've um, come over here. So it is upsetting though. I don't know if they're, they're still unsure whether the World Cup's going to go ahead without them or not. So yeah, when, when we have a bit more clarity on that, I guess?
0: Yeah, and it'll
1: be easy to answer the question.
0: Yeah. Do you have friends in Australia who would be participating for Australia or New Zealand?
1: Um, Players that I've played with in the past, yeah. Yeah. Um, A couple of friends that'll be um, trying to play for the other uh, smaller nations. Um, And it's it's more upsetting for them, you know, like for the smaller nations because they're not, you know, those teams are mostly filled with. Guys that aren't playing, you know, consistent NRL footy. It's more New South Wales Cup, Ron Massey Cup players over there. So to get a shot at the the World Cup is a big thing. You know, it's a good stepping stone as well. So if it does get called off, that'll be pretty upsetting, mostly for for smaller nations.
0: I think the thing that's angered people over here is that they've cited the player welfare issues, but it seems that they've not even been asked. You know, there was a survey out that said. 75% 75% wanted to go ahead with it, and then the players' union guys come out and said, you know, they've not really been asked, but it's it's sort of been a decision they've just done themselves. It seems.
1: Yeah, well, that's the that's the rumor going round, and I don't I don't know how reliable that is. Yeah. If it's true, if it's true, I guess you know, yeah, it is. It is a bit of a shit go. Should be up to the players, but yeah. you know, I, I don't know how much truth there is to that. Yeah. And, yeah it should be up to the players, uh, you know, you'd, you'd assume.
0: Yeah. So, with them out, do you think it still should go ahead or should we postpone it or what What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a tough one, eh? It's a, you'd like to think it's not a World Cup without, you yeah. know, two, two of the best teams, two of the best teams there. But, you know, if it does go ahead, I guess they can bring in two other teams. Uh, I know, Lebanon for might have a better chance, so uh, that, that's a good thing, I guess. Uh, but yeah, whether it goes on or it doesn't, you know, i sort of see where they're coming from in some aspects. Uh, when we have a bit more clarity on the whole situation, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to formulate an opinion on that.
0: Yeah. So, if it did go ahead, you'd be representing Lebanon and what does that mean to you?
1: Uh, it's, um, it's a big thing for me, it's a massive thing. I started playing for Lebanon when I was really young. Uh, I think I've had to think about that nine nine or ten matches uh, games for them so far um, yeah like I said I started playing I think when I was about 19 uh, first game was against Fiji and they just kept playing in in test matches this was before Lebanon had uh, qualified for the World Cup and then obviously you know the big dance being the World Cup the 2017 World Cup um, I played I played in all those matches and that was you know the best camp I've ever been in uh, great bunch of boys great coaching staff and you know we we, we almost had it uh, in that semi-final against Tonga. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, your heritage. Your parents moved over to Australia. Uh, what was it like growing up?
1: Uh, just like just like most other yeah. young Aussie kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, my parents did. They they were both born in Lebanon. Both moved over pretty young. I think at the age of uh, nineteen or twenty, um, j- just for opportunity and whatnot. Uh, there wasn't much going on in Lebanon uh both hard workers so you know i i had a normal aussie childhood you know went, went to a normal school and uh yeah the only thing that was different is i'll probably speak a bit arabic that's about it yeah uh,
0: so when did you first get into rugby league then
1: um i didn't start actually didn't start playing until i was 15 i think i always loved it growing up um, my dad didn't really enjoy the sport, though. He thought it was a bit too rough. <laughs> uh, so I, started, I, I I was a massive Bulldog supporter growing up from when I was very young. I'd say, you know, seven, eight, nine, uh, at the age of nine. Um, and then I didn't start playing until I was under 15. So, yeah, but I've loved the sport my whole life, but uh, playing not until under 15s and then obviously just kept playing every year and chased the dream.
0: Yeah, so quite a late starter then. Is... Um, in terms of like people who start later on, what are like the chances of you know getting into professional rugby league? Do you know? Um, I I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I'd like to I'd like to know. Obviously, it's it, if you start a, a sport much younger, I guess you know you have more experience under your belt. Yeah. but... Uh, it's not, not to say it can't be done. It just—it's not like I wasn't playing at the time. I—it's not like I had no idea what the sport was. I knew yeah. what the sport was. I just wasn't playing. I was playing at school. Um, definitely playing in the backyard, in the park. So um, I don't think I missed out on a whole much Yeah.
0: So when you started playing at fifteen, when was like the first club that you signed for? What age was that, and what was that like?
1: Um, so that was back in Sydney, a club. Uh, named Hearsley United uh, I was excited now I, I remember the registration day I was there about two hours early um, I was really excited to start playing um it, it was good I was a bit unsure about things you know there were like I said I didn't miss out on a lot but there were things that I sort of didn't know uh, that most of the other players knew but I was I was always keen you know I was always keen to learn I was a I was a you know inquisitive young boy so I guess that sort of helped me and you know, I loved it as soon as I played that. I knew I loved the sport before that, but I, as soon as I started playing Club 20, I, I knew I didn't want to stop.
0: So what were the things that they knew that you didn't know then?
1: Uh, you know, just small, minutiae things, you know, certain plays that you, you learned growing up, uh, maybe tackle technique and whatnot. I was more of a... You know just put my body in the way or something but they they had a bit more tackle tech big it's real small stuff but nothing nothing too crazy
0: yeah so in getting to where you are now obviously joining Wigan next year uh, have you had any setbacks and you know what have you done to like overcome them
1: what do you mean by setbacks
0: so you know um you were you When you was in Australia, you've obviously gone round different clubs and perhaps not had game the as much game time as you want. But now you sort of like, you know, you're doing well in with London, loads of tries.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. With every career, every personal team, there's heaps of setbacks. Um, You know, they're, they're learning points. I've only played, you know, six NRL games, so I guess I could classify that as a setback. You know, with my um i've been dropped from from heaps of teams you know week to week but uh some players look at it as setbacks but it's just a learning point you know i I wasn't a a, a freaky kid at the age of 17 18 i wasn't you know killing it i wasn't the next big thing it's a slow process you know of learning getting better week in week out year in year out so um, i'm happy about that i wouldn't really call it a setback but yeah yeah, there, there are those things you know i look back and it's not that I didn't see myself being here. It's just that you know, you you look back at you look back at all the growth that's happened. And you're like, yeah, well, you know, there were things I you know I didn't know back then that I, that I that I know now. But it's part of the journey, I guess.
0: Yeah. So you earned the call up to Lebanon. Uh, what was that like, and how did that come about? How did they spot you?
1: Initial, initially, or when I first started playing for Lebanon, because I was pretty young when I started playing.
0: Yeah. Initially. Yeah.
1: Initially, yeah. Um, when I was younger, um, I played in uh, plenty of the under-16s, under-18s, 11 uh, teams, um, and they always keep a close eye on, on the young kids going through there. Um, the, the coach sort of, he liked me um, at the time. Uh, I, I started off my my career you know, in club footy as, as a centre winger, um, and I somehow moved into the halves for, for a year or two. And a bit of fullback. So uh, my fir- my very first game for Lebanon, actually a fair few uh, very first games were playing at halfback, uh, six or seven. So uh, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a shock. I remember the first game was against Fiji, and they had a, they had the stacked side, and I was playing half. I think I was eighteen or nineteen, you know, with, with all these older blokes, all these men. So uh, it started off a bit <laughs> uh, a bit weird. Uh, Playing in the halves, Um, and then eventually, over over the next couple next couple games across the years, I moved back into centre, fullback, wing. Just kept alternating between them.
0: Yeah. So then, fast forward to the World Cup twenty seventeen. Was that like your proudest moment representing Lebanon?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Um, you know, playing against we 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 were pulled up with France, England, Australia, so. You know, versing three great teams, especially in England and Australia. Uh, it was a good test. Um, back then, I, I, I hadn't played, you know, any NRL back then. Um, I wasn't even in a full-time system back then. So, going up against those guys and testing myself was was awesome. And then, obviously, being around, you know, all the great players that Lebanon had playing for them at the time. Bobby Farah, Tim Banner, you know, Mitch Moses, those sort of guys. And we, we were coached by Brad Taylor. That was... Um, it was a yeah a dream come true, it was a great experience
0: Yeah and you mentioned that match uh, to, against Tonga, just talk us through that and you know what was that like coming so close
1: uh, Yeah it was upsetting you know looking back at it I guess a little bit but uh, you know we were going into that game we had beat France, we had lost to England, lost to Australia but you know we were although we lost 36-0 to Australia we we we're sort of in the fight for the first half, and against England, we will definitely in the fight for, for a fair bit of the game. Uh, but we're going into that Tonga game, uh, you know, fully confident. You know, we I'm, I'm sure that no one had a doubt that we would lose that game. You know, there was just something about that game that we felt um, we were going to win. It was in New Zealand, it was in front of a packed stadium of, honestly, complete Tonga fans, just everywhere, just to see a bread. Um, and we went so close uh, I don't know if you. I remember watching that game. We lost by two points. I'm pretty sure it was 24 22, and we yeah. we had it in a contra- controversial call call in the last minute. Uh, but it is what it is. You know, they they had a great team, but um, but that was yeah one of the one of the best games I've played in.
0: Yeah, and how do you think they'll do this year uh, if it goes ahead? They'll will be one of the stronger sides. I saw a you
1: know a predicted lineup of their team and Samoa's team. They, they look really good, and you know, over the since the 2017 World Cup, when all those players started uh, playing for Tonga, chose to play for Tonga instead of Australia and New Zealand. It was, you know, was a big boost for them. Um, you know, to be honest, I've, I've, I think they'll go very close, if not make the final. In terms of
0: Lebanon, what are yeah, they uh,
1: Again, we have we have we had a lot of players retire from the 2017 World Cup, but there are a lot of a lot of. Young play, good young players coming up, and then some NRL experience um, coming through as well. You know, on paper we look really good. Uh, we've got great coaching staff. We've got Michael Checker uh, coaching us, which is you know, superb. Um, and just all the talk around it, you know, that, I, that I've heard already, it you know, seems to be on par, if not better, than you know our camp in the 2017 World Cup. So I'm excited. I know, I know for a fact we can we can go really far, is there's a hunger in the, in the organisation that, you know, we want to win. So, I'll oh, give us every chance.
0: Have you had any, like, training sessions prior to this World Cup?
1: No, no no training sessions whatsoever. Um, they was supposed to be a game, but uh, the situation with COVID and whatnot, um, that pulled that back a bit. So, it will pretty much be, I think, go straight into camp. If it goes ahead, go straight into camp and then... <laughs> play our games so yeah. it, it's you know it is what it is I guess yeah. most teams will be in the same boat
0: yeah that, I was going to say not. there's not been best preparation for any team as this so everyone's the same yeah. uh, so yeah. on onto your move to London um, what prompted the move over to the UK um,
1: just a just a new experience um, new opportunity wanted to test myself further here um You know, I I knew I was capable of, well, I I think I'm capable of, you know, starting week in, week out in in a Super League team. And um, that was was the opportunity that came up with London uh, at the time. Uh, I took it, you know, I knew they were a full-time team. I knew they were a great team. I asked around about them and it's been great so far, I guess. Um, But the, the goal was, you know, if I, if, with the promotion system going on over here if I didn't, you know, if London were promoted at the end of the year, uh, which is still a big possibility of, you know, aiming to sign, aiming to sign for a Super League team and, and hopefully, you know, chance my hand at playing, you know, Super League week in, week out. So just a, just an opportunity to come over here and, yeah, play at the highest level.
0: Yeah, and obviously you played under Danny Ward, but he's he's gone now. But what was he like as a coach?
1: Yeah, he was great. Um, just speaking to him over the phone before I'd even come over here um, was, you know, I knew he was a good, great bloke first, and then a, a great coach second. A lot of the people that I spoke to you know, told me a lot about him. I uh, didn't don't watch, didn't watch much Super League you know, over in Oz, but I done my research on him. Obviously, a great player back in his days. Um, so yeah, unfortunate that he that he had to leave the way he did, but. um yeah, definitely a, a big part in my move over here.
0: So your form has been really well this year. What yeah. what do you put that down to?
1: Um, yeah, a bit of, bit of everything, really. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm eager, you know, to, to make a mark on this comp and, like I said, sign somewhere, which I, which I have. Um, but uh, as well, you know, the, the team's been doing great. You know, good coaching, good organisation at London. Um, so I guess all the everything fell, you know, into place the way it did and I just find myself playing, you know, some all right footy. Still, you know, not not the best, but some all right footy enough to get some, you know, some tries on the board and hopefully this this last bit of the season I'll get, you know, up at a notch and go even better.
0: Yeah, and you've got quite a few tries already. Uh do you set yourself like a target? Have you got a number in mind that you want to yeah, get to? Yeah. No. Um, no
1: no I never never set myself a target these tries because um, if I don't get them then I then I'd get upset so just all the small stuff that are uh, around the game like you know taking carries and, and and quick play the balls and errors and whatnot um kick chases um, things like that I set myself definitely set myself targets for that before the game but never tries you know if I if I'm doing my job with you know with my carries and defensively and doing all the small stuff you know Oh, I know that's what teams are looking out for, I know that's what my players, you know, that I'm playing next to are looking out for. Um, you know, the, the tries are great for the fans and, you know, it's a, just an added bonus of just being on the end of some good shape sometimes.
0: Yeah, and moving on to Wigan for next year, how did that um, transfer come about?
1: Um, yeah, like I said, I just, uh, I was trying to play my very best, take an opportunity. Um, uh I knew uh, maybe a month or two months ago. You know, I, I heard that there was some interest from them, or my manager told me that there was some interest from them, and that they're going to continue watching. So, um, you know, it's good that it's good to know that you know a lot of Super League clubs do watch the Championship level to see what's you know what's going on around there, and they would have a lot of their players playing in um, playing in Championship teams on loan and whatnot. So, um, th- there was some interest from them, and then over over a period, they just kept watching me and. Uh, um, Assuming I impressed them enough to, to get a contract there.
0: And when you moved to the UK, was it daunting that, you know, leaving family behind from Australia?
1: Um, yeah, not not daunting. It's a, a bit upsetting uh, uh, at the very start, but yeah, it is what it is. I People got to do it, you know. <laughs> I was talking about my parents earlier. They left their family to go live in another country, you know, forever, I guess. Um, so I'm only leaving for well, I don't know how long I'm leaving for, but I'm assuming one day I'm going to go back to Oz, but, you know, I'm I'm, I'm here, I'm playing the sport, I, I love getting, you know, getting paid to do what I love, so and make new friends here, yeah. and I, I do have, make, you know, obviously great friends, so, so it's the back of my mind now. for uh, you know, Zoom and, and Facebook and all, that. I can stay in contact with my family pretty often. Yeah,
0: and um, I think I read a quote when you signed for Wigan that, it gives you a chance to prove yourself uh, is that what do you feel you need to do to prove yourself
1: no 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 not like a, you know it, prove myself as the that i first to myself that I can you know play consistent you know Super League um, and then to the fans you know I'm sure a lot of the Wigan fans wouldn't have heard much of me so yeah, you know, a lot of them maybe a bit <laughs> yeah um, skept, skeptical about the signing or whatnot, but yeah, prove it to myself first that I'm, you know, capable of playing at the highest level, and then to the fans that you know the club's made a good decision in buying me, uh, a good decision in um, signing me. You know, I know what I'm capable of doing, and I know what I'll what I'll give to the club next year.
0: Right. Uh, moving on to some quick fire questions. Um, first one: uh, What music are you into? Um,
1: R or B, probably yeah
0: uh, in terms of superstitions have you got any No. no none <laughs> it's surprising um, so what would your friends describe you as
1: um, one word I'd probably say dedicated
0: yeah um, embarrassing moment
1: uh, I've slipped a fair few flight of stairs, so I'd say it's <laughs> slipping downstairs. It seems to be my thing. I
0: don't know why. Uh, uh, and something people don't know about you.
1: Um, oh, I'd have to say what I what I mentioned before. I speak another language. I speak Arabic. Yeah, not perfectly, but I I, I do speak another language.
0: Abbas Miski there. Right, moving swiftly on, we're going to talk about the proposed super league restructure because next year apparently we're going to be having 14 teams and then there's going to be (laughs) in that year there's going to be a massive drop where four go down which will then create two divisions of 10 super league one and super league two now what that means for um the current league one and uh, all the championships sides as well uh, who knows not a clue it was, I think we've seen a couple of media reports, you know, very much on the periphery of these discussions, it seems. First of all, I think a restructure is needed. We do need to do something different than what we already are doing because the product has gone kind of stale. Apart from whoever likes the sport already, what what are we doing to attract new new people because i don't think we're doing enough or anything to be honest and there's a lot of things that you can pinpoint about that some clubs are doing a lot of good things but some are also not and it for me it's kind of the small things really the things that are so easily so easy to do basically so let me, let me just give you one example. So, so one example is, you just heard from Abbas Miski, uh, London Broncos winger, and he's been having a great season. He's got, you know, I think he's got 13 plus tries, and this is, this is where I, uh, this is my issue here. Uh, nowhere on the RFL website can you find a list of the top try scorers or assists or any other stats? Now, Super League do a fantastic job, actually. You get a whole rundown of all everything. You get your tries, try assists, errors, tackles made, tackles missed, penalties, even more than what I can just reel off right now. You know, you get the whole shebang. Erm... Um, And I know that the RFL have put these statistics out uh, in the past. Now, if anyone knows where they are published, please tell me. Because the only place I can find it right now is the League Express. And last week, I saw that Abbas Miski was definitely second off. He's uh, he's definitely in the top three for the try score. But, you know, I... I, (laughs) I don't know. Now, I know this is a very, very minute point, but I think if if you can't even get this that thing right, then it, it says a lot about the more complicated things, the more sophisticated stuff. So, you know, do your basics right. Come on. Because the big issue we have is where's the personalities? Uh, we don't make enough of individual players. So you know why do we not a perfect way to d- make a personality of somebody or make them into some sort of persona then use the statistics you know if the if there's a try scorer you know it, it there might be in league 1 right now there might be somebody who scored you know 10 15 20 more tries than everybody else now i do watch a bit of league 1 when I can get to games and I do listen to some of the matches on the radio too but unless you are a supporter of the club you don't you you won't know really will you you'll know that someone's in the running but if you if you don't know where to look or if there's nowhere to look then we don't know what's happening we can't talk about these things because we don't know and you know, we know that Danny Houghton in Super League does loads of tackles all the time is enough made of that, stuff like that basically, that's just one point about what the sport needs to improve on Uh, so back to the restructuring well I've said uh, previously that we should have a 14 team, that's what I said so maybe somebody's been listening to this podcast (laughs) <laughs> but it, it seems like it's only going to be for one year, which I don't know about that, you know, we constantly say, here's the problems I've got with it, we're constantly saying, there's not enough money, uh, we, we, we are reducing the money, um, but next year, 2022, well, I thought that the deal would come in in 2022, but it, it seems it's in the 2023 season and the 2024 season. And then God knows what comes after that. Uh, so we constantly told that we, we can't sustain enough teams because there's not enough money, but we're going to increase to 14 teams uh, next year. Now we've already seen, well, this year and the previous year that the teams coming up uh, get, Either no money from uh, central distribution, or even you know even less than the rest of the teams. Yeah, when these two teams come up, uh, what money are they going to get? Uh, when is that going to be decided? Uh, you know, we've already seen with Lee this year how underprepared he was. We don't want another situation where they're underprepared again. We want a competitive division. And there's also the issue of, of play, player quality. I, I, I'm not sure I uh, buy that, to be honest. I think it'll, I th- I think 14 teams would make it more competitive. But then four go down. So, in the running for that, I'd assume, you'd assume that you've got your lose. you've got um, Featherstone, then you've got Lee... You're looking at those as prime um, targets for relegation. And then you're looking at one other uh, from Super League. So that could be... Well, looking at the table now, it would be be Wakefield. Or it could be Huddersfield. It could be Salford. Well, it could be anybody. So there's going to be a massive shake-up, a real big shake-up. And then we'll be left with just 10 teams... And also, uh, for next year, if if we're having this, the championship's going to be basically. There there won't be a point to it, will there? Really, because nobody will be going up in twenty twenty two, will they? Because they will only be coming down. And, and and it's so I can't get my head around it. So, you're going to get four relegated from Super League at the end of twenty twenty two. Uh, so you're going to have two divisions of S- Super League, two divisions of ten. We already, we don't even need to mention the fact that uh, ten teams means more, more of the same games, which we we don't really want. We don't want to see Wigan and Wigan and <laughs> St Helens every other week, which we will get if we have ten teams. The like I said earlier, the product has gone stale. It's not going to improve if you uh, make it even more stale. Then you go on to the championship. So the championship at the moment, which will be Super League 2, the championship at the moment is 14 teams. And that's going down to 10. And whilst it's going down to 10, there's also four teams coming into that league so what the hell is the championship gonna look like it, you know when this uh, restructure comes in? how many are gonna get relegated? Are, are four gonna get relegated from the championship as well? It, you know is is relegation gonna happen in the championship is the championship gonna increase this year uh, sorry next year we've not heard anything really it's it does uh, it's very strange. It's like when they did those uh, really complicated leagues, uh, you know, deciding promotion and relegation, where they go into qualifiers and all that, and you can't get your head around it. And and that playoff structure um, with Toronto, where there was a there was they were put into the semi-finals and then they was into a, a, a final before the final. That they would have... oh, And if they lost, they'd still been in it and all that. It, you you don't understand it. And then you've got the question of what happens... Uh, on the outside of that. So, you've got your two divisions of 10. That makes 20. Well, then you've got 16 teams left over. We've not heard what they want to do with that. Um what what's going to happen with Barrow so they they're probably going to get promoted to the championship this year so in 2022 uh, so, so are they going to be set back again because there's going to be more relegation spots uh it's so complicated i, I don't like the idea of it i don't like it at all i think you should for me what i do is Extend Super League to fourteen, put the championship at twelve teams, and keep League One as ten. That's what I do. But anyway, it's all it's all it's all rumor. Anyway, you know they they've, they play around with it every two minutes. Who knows? Next year they'll be saying we like this fourteen team uh, league. We we will we'll keep this uh, instead. So. You know, nothing's ever permanent. It never is. This ch- this changes every two minutes to the rules, to the structure, to everything. So th- those rules are not worth the paper they're written on. You know, anything can change. We 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 always have promotion and relegation, but somehow we always come come the end of the year. We think, hmm, do we have promotion and relegation <laughs> or not? Nothing is ever certain. Nothing is ever certain until it's been done. But that's just the madness that is Rugby League. So on to the (laughs) fixtures. So we'll start with Wigan. And they've played twice (laughs) since the last uh, episode. They failed to beat Warrington. That was a strange game. Because let's be honest, Warrington were crap. First half, I think, uh, Warrington they had 32% of the ball and the completion rate was horrendously low and yet they had the lead and that's that's a big issue with Wigan they can't score enough points you know and then there was all sorts of controversy with that uh, I think it was a Josh Charnley try and one of the Wigan players got booted in the head one of them got brought down, which, you know, it, they didn't even go to the video ref on that one, which was strange. And don't get me started on that match last night. With, with, with that try, that wasn't a try. <laughs> but then, after that after that pause showing, they go and rank up 50 points against Lee uh, yesterday. And there was... There was all sorts of stuff in that one. Punches thrown and all sorts. Two red cards. I, I suspect there'll be more because there were more punches thrown than just those two that went off. So whether that Spurs Wigan on, who knows? We'll we'll find out later on. But you look at that fixture and you think, for Lee, you know they always they always seem to step up against Wigan. They probably should have won earlier on in the season, shouldn't they? But they got hammered and they ain't, they ain't played for God knows how long. And I think we've seen already with the teams that have not played, they've struggled to get back into the swing. And I think that that was another reason why it was such a walkover. Catalan's beat Wakefield 40 points to 20, so they keep marching on. Leeds beat Hull FC. I think Hull FC, another one who's not played recently and. I think you sort of saw why. And then Le- Leeds, another one who's, who played on Sunday, but they lost one point to Warrington. And it's very controversial given that that what I just mentioned then, the the video ref were one angle 100% showed that the ball were never grounded, but apparently that weren't sufficient enough. Well, if that's not sufficient enough, what is? It, that angle showed the ball never hit the hit the try line. <laughs> you know, it's very strange. For me, it was an entertaining game, but I mean, quality-wise, it was pretty shoddy. There were fourteen handling errors I think within the first half. The ball seemed to be covered in oil. And for me, watching it, I sort of didn't really enjoy it, to be honest. There was far too many errors. And Not what you really expect from two teams that are supposed to be, you know, top sides in this country. But Warrington are actually third now, which, you know, they've only lost three games all season. So, And compare that with Hull FC, who've lost five. And they've played less. And we all talk about how good Hoke are doing. And they've also lost five. And only played 11 times. So, you know, there is a bit of a gap between some of these teams. And on to the championship. Uh, Swinton got their first win. I bet Stuart Little were probably watching that thinking, God, why did that not come under my my reign? But I I don't know if you saw the final try, but they were... It was literally football. They were just kicking the ball <laughs> downfield, and eventually it travelled towards the try line, and they got it down. Drewsbig just couldn't get hold of it. So, you know that was a that was a vital game. Whether that's still too little, too late, who knows? But I suppose it makes it for a better, exciting finish. Toulouse uh, beat Featherstone twenty-three points to six. Why the hell was that not broadcast? You know what what has happened to this hour league anyway? I thought we had, I thought we was having games, uh, on the uh, on the hour league. Now I know that uh, they want to encourage people to go the, to to go to the game, and I think there was a four thousand attendance there. So you know people knock Featherstone a lot. Oh, it's a population of only whatever it is, twelve thousand or something. Oh, small club, small club, but they get more, they get bigger crowds than these, uh, you know, so-called big cities. So, I think people should stop knocking these teams like Featherstone and actually maybe have a look at what they're doing and why, why, why can they get that and. These big places, kind and why are they not? So yeah, I don't like it when uh, the smaller clubs are sort of. Well, they're not small They big, <laughs> the bigger clubs really, the the name is the only thing. But yeah, why why was this not broadcast? They could be, they could, if they want to encourage people to go the get to go to the game, then fine. Let's not. Uh, make this match available to anyone who supports Featherstone. Yeah, to anyone who supports Featherstone. We can't say that for Toulouse because they can't get over anyway. So anyone who does not support Featherstone, and I'm I'm sure there's a way that you can do that. Can can buy the game. And if not, you you can you can go to the match instead. Or if it's sold out I'm 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 assuming that was close to, close to a sellout, But yeah, up again poor poor from the RFL. They're not proactive are they? Uh, another top of the table clash, well, kind of top of the table playoff clash. Halifax beat Bradford 24 to t- points to 21. Newcastle lost to Whitehaven. Oldham were leading for most of the game. Um We've about ten minutes to go, and somehow London got the win. And, you know, I don't know whether if you're a player, when you come that close against a top side, a full time side, a side that was only just in Super League a year or so ago, and you're winning the whole game, and you're thinking, "Wow, we're gonna win a game," and we've not won for however long, is that worse losing that? than losing it, you know, when as a normal game that you're not re- you know, that you weren't gonna win. Is that worse? And what does that do for mentality? Does that make you think, forget it? Who knows? Uh so then also Batley beat Widness, thirty four points to sixteen. Batley going well still. They're not they're not budging. They're gonna be there in the playoffs. And who knows, maybe we will have Batley in Super League. <laughs> Although, you know, my money would be on Toulouse. And I think they deserve it after this season. into League 1, just a couple of games there. Uh, Rochdale lost to Keeflee, 42 points to 20. I went to that game. Again, Rochdale without a whole host of players. And they weren't they weren't that good on sundays to be honest too many errors in the first half uh, when they were going forward quite a lot of um risky plays shall we say you know they weren't really near Keefley's try line they had tackles in the bag but they were chucking it about as if it were the last tackle and a few minutes left and it, that got that made them make errors I think they were too weak in defence. Some some of the tries Keefley got, you wonder how they got them. Uh, the halfback, Miller, for Keefley, there were one where he did a really good kick. He were in pretty much the centre of the field, booted it right out over to the wing, and the winger beat the Rochdale man in the air and grounded it, and I thought that was... Top class try for basically League One, but yeah, I think we can cut Rochdale some slack because they've had COVID issues, they've had they it got injury issues. All the big players are out. However, I think so, while some of the play was too enthusiastic in the first half, in the second half it was kind of too basic. So we saw Keithley who were making great metres, they were passing it out wide, you know, keeping the ball moving, and when Rochdale had it, they were they were doing one pass, driving at the defence, and then r- resetting, and they didn't get anywhere with it, to be honest. And I think that takes Rochdale out of the playoffs now, so, yeah, they're just outside it, because Hunslet have had a bit of a resurgence with their new man, Keyfle, you know they are they they've been going all right all season, but there's there's more games to come, and again I said this earlier I think there's going to be more teams than not disappointed missing out on them playoffs because there's very little to separate them. Uh, North Wales Crusaders smashed West Wales Raiders. Seventy points, to, seventy-two points to four. Just when you thought West Wales were sort of getting a bit closer, then that happens. North Wales are a good side, but you know it's a, it's it's the Welsh Derby. You you'd hope in the future that that game would be you know a very competitive one. Uh, Hunslet, as I said, a bit of a resurgence from them. They beat Doncaster. Who have been one of the better teams in League One? They ranked up 46 points as well. Conceded 24, mine, but 46 points against Doncaster, I think is quite good. You know, Doncaster lost just two going into that game. So, you know, great result. Going good for the new man, Alan Kilshaw. And that's your lot for this week. Some games coming up tonight, there's there's three, strangely, on a Monday. Castleford, Huddersfield, Hull FC, St. Helens, Hull KR, Catalan's. Next week on the show, we've got Sheffield Eagles' new signing, Ollie Butterworth. He's a army paratrooper, former GB bobsleigh player, former rugby union player. He's done all sorts. You'll be hearing about his story. Next week, just before I go, thanks very much to Roger, who left a review uh, quite a bit ago. I've only just noticed it recently. Who says a good show uh, with some really interesting interviews? Well, if you're listening to this, Roger, thanks a lot. Uh, if if any of you want to um, give me a review, then I would like I'd, I would appreciate that. If not, then fine, who cares? You know, I'm not one of these who says, please like my show, please subscribe to it, blah, blah, blah. You know, if if you want to listen to it, listen to it. If you don't, don't. I'm, I'm not forcing anybody. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's it. Cheers. See you next week.
1: <laughs>